Record? We are now recording. You ready? Ready. This is Going Boldly, the podcast. Here's your host, Russ the Big Guy. Hi, it is Russ the Big Guy. I'm a lifelong entrepreneur who is very familiar with the struggles and successes related to running a business. I know it is definitely worth the struggle. The freedom and unlimited potential keep me moving forward, fueled by my why. Aligned with that is my desire to share with you, the entrepreneur and aspiring business owner, entertainment, information, inspiration, and even transformation into an even more amazing entrepreneur and human. To those ends, please enjoy this episode of Going Boldly. Welcome listeners, Russ the Big Guy up in the penthouse studio, and I have a special guest today. Good friend of mine, we've known each other, it seems like forever. This is Johnny Only. He's a talented performer and a business operator. He has been self-employed for as long as I have known him. Um, he's been a rock star, a kid songwriter, a wedding DJ, and uh, CEO of Silent Disco Headphone Rental. I think I said the name correctly. And uh, hey, John, welcome. Russ, good to be here. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Um, I have been wanting to get you in here for quite a while, so I appreciate you coming in. We're going to learn a lot of things about John today. And Johnny, you know, our listeners are aspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners, right? So we'd like to educate them and we'd like to uh, inspire them. And hopefully they'll get some sort of uh, uh, entertainment out of it, but also maybe a little transformation. So something that you share today is going to hit at least one person and that light bulb is going to go off. And it may be something specific to your industry. Most probably it's going to be something along the lines of maybe some wisdom that you've acquired or, um, or maybe an obstacle that you overcame or specific skills or, you know, talents that you use like as a business owner, right? As an entrepreneur. Excellent, Russ. Good. Okay. <laughs> John, John's like, doesn't know what to expect. <laughs> uh, I know that you are a thinker and a planner. So that's why I think you're going to be great for this. And um, so I want you to take your time. And if you need to process, you know, like the the best answer, go ahead. You just do you. Okay. Okay. Do you have the Jeopardy theme music? Doom, doom, doom. Um, I have this, and I also have this. So we can put this behind you if you want. All right, all right, just in case one of those questions yeah. Yeah, requires deep thought. Okay. Then, uh, right, we'll have fun with this then. <laughs> okay, we'll do that. <laughs> all right. I'll just, I'll just automatically hit that when I ask you a question. Excellent. All right, it's <laughs> we'll a good, good. All right, great. As I mentioned, uh, some of the traits that I have observed with you in particular are that you're very thoughtful and you're a planner. And, and may, even though you were in an improv group for a while, probably like improvisation is not something you're the most comfortable with. I, that is true. I, tell me about that. Well, I, I, would, I would say that there's kind of two, uh, two fronts there. So, so one of them is when you're live in front of an audience uh, in an entertainment sense, or even if you're live in front of a customer and you have to improv, you know, yeah. as far as customer service or or entertaining an audience um and you do that though you're you are good at improvising there I th and, and, I think. Actually, and actually i think i am i think i am yes okay. and, and and the 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 job calls for quite a bit of it because i think i think even if you're just in customer service uh one-on-one -on -one or or even 
Mm, even if even if you're reacting to uh, um, growing your business when there's an uncertainty, you know that that is a form of improvisation. Even though it's a lot slower than what happens in front of an audience, but you're still improvising with with changing. Uh, well, take the COVID nineteen for example. You know, yeah. uh, the whole entire economy changed overnight, and yeah. now it's opening up again and changing again overnight. And so there's a certain amount of improvisation there too, but <laughs> that's problem solving, I guess. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. But, yeah. Then, but, I, but I think that's a lot different than, than actually, you know, practicing in your mind, running over and a, a guitar, over and uh, over and over in your head and, you know, writing it out. Um, you know, really like, let's say having a, a business plan that you've established and like your five year plan and your, your two year plan, you know, your one year plan. Um, you do that. Uh, somewhat, somewhat, somewhat. Yeah. Okay. And, and I, and, but I think also in, in terms of performance as well, like, like, uh, actually, actually, have you heard like in, in, uh, what's, what's the expression in, in battle that the, uh, the planning is, is, is vital, but it never goes to plan. Oh yeah. When you're actually. Yeah. During the battle. Yeah. So, so, so the planning is important, but then once you're in the battle, that's when you've got to be spontaneous and, uh, you know, yeah, you've got to improvise. Right. I'd mentioned a bunch of different things that you've done. If someone were to Google you aside from a lawsuit with, uh, <laughs> with baby shark company, which takes up like three pages <laughs> right away. <laughs> um, give us, give us a rundown. Like, so you were like a teenage rock star. You had the look and everything. And I know that, uh, of course you've been playing the guitar since, but it's way different now. Like you do kids stuff and uh, performances for uh, nursing homes and things like that. And of course, you were a teenager doing rock music for kids or for other teenagers, right? That's right, and for drunk people. <laughs> so, so yeah, no, no. I would, I was, I was in a garage band. Uh, we we played the local scene. Um, yeah, it was it was exciting. It was it was great. It was fun. It was it was the rock bands were hot back then. You know, I was playing my guitar every day, every minute, and uh, yeah, it was it was fabulous. Uh, from from there, I I the the DJ fad started, and I had an agent. And um, did you? Yes, yes. Oh wow. Yes. Okay. And uh the eight, it was uh he was he was he said, "Geez, I'm starting to get calls for weddings for DJs." And he says, "I don't really deal with DJs," he says, "but you know, maybe it's time to start." And and, and he says, "Would you like to DJ a wedding?" And I'm like, "No, you know, of course <laughs> not. I'm a, I'm a rock star, you know." Yeah. And uh he but the said, money probably looked good. Well, that's the thing. He said he said, uh, "So does your band do weddings?" And I said, "Yes, we do." And he says, do you have a sound system? I said, yes. And I owned the sound system for the band. And, uh, do you have wedding music? Well, if you're going to play wedding music in a band, you back then, anyway, you had to buy the music in order to learn it. You couldn't just stream it off the internet. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, I owned the wedding music in a pre-recorded format as well. And he says, so you know how to do a wedding. You've got the equipment, you've got the music. Why don't you want to do a wedding? And I said, you know, I'm a, I'm a rock star, you know, and, he says, well, this is how much you get paid to DJ a wedding. 
And I said, sign me up. Because <laughs> back then, you know, if you're in a band, you know, uh, it was yeah. a situation where you split the, the money yeah, five ways, maybe six ways if you had a roadie, and maybe seven ways if you had a sound man. You know, it, you just kept splitting the money, and by the end of the night, you had enough to buy a new set of strings for the next gig, you know. Yeah, and you know that the that most of the weekend warriors still make the same amount of money. <laughs> absolutely. Now, absolutely. Which obviously doesn't go quite as far. It, a lot of times doesn't cover their bar tab. Right. Right. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's crazy. It's crazy. So, so as the, as the DJ fad grew, I started taking DJ jobs and I was like, wow, this is, this is money, man. Yeah. Back, I mean, compared to being in the band. Yeah, sure. And I remember doing uh, one, one weekend I did, was it five DJ jobs in one weekend? Are you still a teenager now doing this? Um, I'm, I'm at not. At that a, time? <laughs> at the, I, was, I was probably 28. Yeah. I was okay. 28. Oh, all right. 28, yeah. yeah. And that was actually, if we're looking for light bulb, life-changing moments. Yeah. Like, that was it. When I did those five jobs, it's two on Saturday, two on Sunday, yeah. one on Friday, all as a DJ, and I got to keep all the money myself. Right. And I also discovered that weekend that as a DJ, I could switch on a dime as far as song selection or what I was going to say on the mic. I never had to turn to the band and say, hey, let's do this song. And they say, wait, I have the wrong instrument in my hands to do that song. And then once they, you find they change their instruments and then they say, oh, wait, I'm, I'm, I got a tune. And then, and then they say, wait a minute. Okay. You ready? All right. I'm ready. Okay. You're ready. All right. One, two, three, go. Right. And the drummer misses the cue. <laughs> and, and the moment is lost. Whereas as a DJ, I could do all of that within seconds. Yeah. And so now we're talking to, we're going back to improvisation. Right. I found out that live in front of an audience i could respond and react to an audience so much faster as a dj and so i it's very surprising to myself i became a very good dj and yeah. very well ultimately yeah ultimately i agree why very well played well let me played. ask you let me ask you why was it important to be able to switch on a dime like that well i think that's um being sensitive to the audience um for for a lot of musicians they are musicians first and entertainers second um, a lot of musicians, they love their instrument, they love music, and they're just like, okay, I've, I've got the set list lined up, I, I know how to play my instrument, and I'm ready for the next song, and I'm in the zone, and I am such a musician. And they're not even watching the audience, you know? Yeah. Whereas, whereas I had a feel for the audience as well, and, and, as a, and when, when the audience wants to do something you need to as an entertainer you need to respond like like people used to i, I remember um people used to ask me you know well not they would just ask me i would i would talk to other djs and they would say you know these are the songs that i do that go together like they'll give me a three three good songs that go together yeah and i was so much against that because well, in other words, they were saying, once I get on this three-song set, I'm going to keep going all through all three three songs. Like, right. it's, it's all planned out. It doesn't matter what the audience does. Okay. But in my mind, the audience speaks first. And if you're playing that first song and the audience is doing something, you know, you need to change. You need to, to do a different song. Yeah. And I used, to, I used to tell other DJs that, the, that I would never decide what song I was going to play next until 30 seconds before the song that was currently playing was over. You know, then I would decide, you know, and of course that was a little bit, that's a lot of work. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, like with, with, uh, I started with vinyl and so I'd have oh, gosh. records laid out in front of me, like, like yeah. to cover certain, uh, uh, possibilities what the audience was doing. Then there was yeah. 
tapes, cassette tapes. There was eight track. They had the the mm. I don't remember. The, um, the, anyway, it's 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 not going to come to Wait, me. Wait, do you want to think here? Oh, let me think. I've you, got it. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. So, um, I don't. I just think of carts, but that was the ra- that was radio. So yeah, yeah. But yeah, it, it yeah. But the and, the, and then of course CDs. The medium continually changes and progresses. Yeah, yeah. And that's why the the computer revolution in the DJ business was such an amazing revolution because now you could decide what song to play five seconds before yeah. the song that's currently playing. Yeah. So you you could respond to the audience so much better. And then then we had like you know samplers, little you know sound bites that you could throw in at the appropriate time that before you just couldn't do. Yeah. So actually, so that's an interesting point that you're talking about being able to decide uh, on the fly based on the feedback you're getting from your audience. And I think, you know, a lot of people think, well, DJs just go in, they play music and that's all they do. And if you watch a lot of them, in fact, most of the DJs I've seen, that's kind of what they do. Now, weddings are a little bit different because weddings are like a specific party. Mm-hmm. You know, those are the DJs that really are really masters of ceremonies and really, um, really like you are attentive to the audience, right? And and that's like an important component of being a business owner. Even though those people in your event aren't paying you for that event, that specific event. So like attendees at a wedding aren't paying you for that wedding but they're your potential customers and they're sampling your wares at the event which is great and so you've got to be on all the time and be responsive because those people are going to leave there and say i was at this wedding and the dj was amazing he did this this and this i've never had so much fun before never been to a wedding where the dj created such a wonderful environment absolutely so it's really important just like any other business you have to really pay attention to your your you know, the bride being the most important one and then her dad, cause he's paying mm-hmm. <laughs> probably, well, maybe not so much anymore, but traditionally that would be the way it would, that would go. And then everybody there is a potential customer. And by the way, I wanted to just, I'll throw this in. I know that you're still doing weddings and I think you're being very choosy about the ones where you can really serve the bride and, and her party and everybody. Yes. Um, I actually observed you years ago. Briefly, I think probably listeners have heard this before. So I've gone through a transformation, about 180 degree transformation through my through my life, through my quote unquote adult life. From in my teenage to 20s, 24, I started full time with my business. I'd been doing it doing it since I was a teenager, and so I was always gung ho and um, just plowing full speed ahead with little regard for anybody around me or anything else that's happening. Right, and I had someone say to me that I was very self oriented. And I don't think I'll ever forget it. And I asked, well, what is, is that like a diagnosis or something? Or like, what is that? And she says, well, no, I just, I just like made it up or I just think that that's what you are. Right. I was like, oh, okay. Well, I didn't think too much of it at the time. Probably thought it was a good thing. I don't know. But, um, but I've, I've changed a lot over the years to be the opposite of that. So I'm, I'm very, try to be very focused, uh, always on what's going on around me and people and serving people in very many ways. And I learned from you years ago when I saw you interact with a bride and I couldn't believe the level of service and empathy that you were exhibiting. 
and that you were offering to this bride. And it blew me away. And I thought at the time, I thought, well, and I know you were doing well with, with weddings, right? And which I would never want to do, by the way, because I've been a DJ too, obviously, you know that. And um, I thought, oh my gosh, I am doing this all wrong. <laughs> and really, I started to change that part of it at that time. So I really owe a lot of that to you, actually. You've been a, you've been a part of that for me. So that's great. So was there anything in between? What's after the, the wedding, DJ? Like you're do, still doing that, obviously, but you've had other projects in between, right? Yeah, actually, I, I wanted to j- just kind of tag on onto the yeah. end of what you just said. Yeah, go ahead. Like, like it's almost like, like the difference between the musician and the entertainer. Like, think of, um, yeah. you know, um, Bruce Springsteen, okay? Now, yes, he's an excellent singer, excellent guitar player, but he's first and foremost an entertainer. And then you look at... Um, you know, a, a number of his musicians that are in the background. Right. He has a couple of musicians that are performing up front with him. But those musicians in the background, the studio musicians, you know, that are on the albums. And in, in a lot of bands, you have the front man, who's the entertainer, or the front woman, who's the entertainer. And then you got the musicians. And there is nothing wrong with being, like, a fabulous musician. Yeah. But... It's the entertainer up front that is responding to the audience and in another way of saying it is responding to the market. You know, um, yes, we love musicians and, and I am so, so envious of somebody who is a fabulous musician, but the person that's making the money usually yeah. is the one that's interacting with the audience, the one that's, that's responding to the market if the audience is the market. Right. You know, uh, yes, I love musicians, and I, don't, I never want a musician to feel like I'm, you know, oh, not yeah. appreciating how good they are and how much dedication it takes to be a musician, but I do believe that usually the front man in the band is paid more and is usually the reason the band is being successful. I mean, I haven't done a survey or anything or research to know if that's true, but it se- that seems true. Yeah, I mean, you can think about even nationally or internationally famous front people who really even aren't that great of a vocalist, mm-hmm. really, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. But, um, and then if you have a, if, if you're listening to a recording or a record, you have no idea how good or bad they are because there's Absolutely. so much work that's done behind the scenes and in the, in the you know, production of the song. Absolutely. Which people don't really realize. I mean, they've heard of auto-tune, but there's like there's so much that can be done in the background. I mean, it's mm-hmm. pretty incredible. Um, that front person's kind of the interface with, uh, in a way, with the audience, with yeah. the customer, right? So, Which leads me to respond to what you started saying after I interrupted you. Yeah, that's okay. Um, so so what what else was kind of what you were saying? Yeah. And, I, and I think this, this fits really good with your podcast audience is that... Um, <clears throat> I see your I see the wheels going. Partially. <laughs> should I hit the music? You should hit it. Okay. Here, let me turn that down. All right, go ahead. <laughs> you see, I think for myself, and I learned this kind of accidentally, but now I'm really sort of looking for this. Yeah. Is following economic trends to fuel your growth. Um and and so to bring that home. When I started as a in the in the band, yeah. honestly, it was, um, it was it was at the end of the heyday for the garage bands. Um, about the time I started, garage bands could work five and six nights a week. Like the bars had live bands almost every night of the week, and the jukebox was jukebox was not that good. So they hired live bands, and the the yeah. the bar bands were making really good money. 
And that was really the environment with which I started the live music scene. Yeah. But then, almost immediately as I started, the DJs started entering the scene. The jukeboxes got better, too. But the, the DJs were the big thing. Like, it was... When I first started in the live music band, there was no such thing as a DJ doing your wedding. There was no such thing as a DJ in the bars. And um, so as I saw this trend growing, I jumped ship from rock star to DJ. Yeah. And then as a DJ, I was having, I was growing the business slowly because the trend was growing. So I wasn't all that great when I started out, but the trend was growing. And so the trend was giving me this momentum. And then I started doing karaoke hosting. And when the karaoke host trend started now, listeners, listeners, I know right now you're rolling your eyes just like <laughs> Russ is because right now karaoke is like really boring and really not fun. It's really cliche. You know who loves karaoke? Who? The one person singing. Exactly, exactly. And that's it. <laughs> exactly. Now that was not the case when I when I first started karaoke. Nobody had heard of it, and yeah. everybody loved it. Yeah. And you didn't have to sing to go to the karaoke bar because it was such an amazing thing to see a normal person singing with backing tracks. Like nobody had ever seen that before, and so karaoke was literally. I, literally turning away people from the door and and the 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 energy and the excitement of in the room was unbelievable and so what that did was that allowed me to work five six nights a week because I could pack the place on a Monday a Tuesday a Wednesday a Thursday I had two jobs on a Friday I had a happy hour and then uh, an evening job uh, eight hours of work on Friday, getting paid cash. I mean, I, I was making more cash than I ever made in my entire life. And then that karaoke started dying off rather quickly. Um, only the heyday of it was probably about one year long, maybe, maybe, maybe two. Really? Yeah. Like very quick. And then, then it turned into what everybody rolls their eyes at now, mm. you know, cause now, yeah, it's, it's only the singer that wants to do it. There's no audience whatsoever, except for people that want to sing, yeah. but that's simply not the way it was. And, and so that grew my popularity and then a new fad came out and that was country line dancing. Now, again, you guys that are rolling your eyes, <laughs> country line dancing was not what it is today. Yeah. When country line dancing hit, everybody was doing it everybody and i could pack the i could pack the house on a monday on a sunday on a tuesday on a wednesday and again like it was another wave that i was riding and this is an economic wave i mean yes i was doing it but i was riding this this momentum of of demand as it were yeah you know and 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 so many like, let's take, go back to the musician uh, analog, uh, analogy. Um, the musician is still working on his craft and ignoring the changes, yeah. right? I was the entertainer, so I jumped from musician into DJ. Then I was like, whoa, karaoke's where it's at. Karaoke died. I jumped to line dancing. Now, whoa, line dancing's where it's at. And now, suddenly, my name was, like, very well known. And now, instead of begging for weddings, I was turning away weddings. And instead of taking the same amount of money that other people were charging weddings i was getting paid more and asking more because i was getting more calls and it was because my name was out there not because i was focusing on my skills but because i was watching the economy and the, the consumer demand and responding to them 
appropriately. And, and that's the way I, I got into the DJ business and got so well-known and well-paid by responding to others instead of... And yes, I worked on my skill once I saw the demand was there, but I jumped to the demand first and then I supplied what the demand wanted. And then silent disco is exactly the same thing. Right. Here I am DJing. It's going great, but I can feel the momentum of the DJ going down. And with Spotify, with Apple Music, with jukeboxes are incredible, with computers having yeah. this auto auto automatic DJ stuff. You know, you can rent a whole sound system at Guitar Center <laughs> yeah. for $125 <laughs> and you can use Spotify as your music source. So I just loaned one out. I loaned us I loaned a system out to a friend of mine for a party and the daughter is making an entire playlist on her phone. Absolutely, absolutely. And, so and it sounds it, just as good as that expensive DJ equipment because it's all digital. It can't get better than digital. Well, it is expensive DJ equipment. I, I loaned oh, it to oh, him. Good point. Good point. Good <laughs> but point. no, I know what you're saying. Now, yeah. the part that's missing, obviously, for that is having a DJ who's actually going to work. Oh, right? yeah. Oh, so, absolutely. Like, so that's really, they're not really in the market for that. Right. right. They might have been in the market for somebody who's just going to go there and just take requests. Right. And not really do anything right. necessarily. Right. Yes. You've got the equipment, you set it up, you watch it, you smile, you, you know, you, you put a request sheet out. You, you don't play half of them because they're not appropriate for the, for the crowd. Absolutely. And, yeah. you know, and then you pack up at the end of the day. Yes. And you, you deal with the cranky, those two cranky people who hate all the music but came in and sat at the seat right in front of the speaker and asked you to turn it down all night long. Right. It goes it goes right back to that. <laughs> yes, it goes right back to that cliche buyers are liars. In other words, the wedding audience doesn't know they they they're they're making requests but they don't actually know what they want. That's what the buyers yeah. are liars thing is. Yeah. The, the buyers don't really know what they want. They're asking for something, but that's not really what they want. They don't really know what they want. And the DJ who knows what they want gives them more than what they've even imagined. Yeah. And and they do that by very being very proactive with Yes, listening to the request, but interpreting what that request actually means, not just literally playing the song. Agreed. Yeah. I started DJing in roller skating rinks. My first real DJ job was more of an urban crowd, and it was a lot of funk and um, R&B and uh, maybe some disco, but it was very danceable and very, like groove you know in the groove mm -hmm. sort of stuff and then after that i was actually hired by another roller skating rink that was very country and they were trying to get a little more progressive and get more more variety in their in their presentations or what they had to offer for their clients so they would have me come in on like a a, f a couple nights a week and i would bring the music with me that i played at the other place it was interesting transition <laughs> <laughs> from you know mm -hmm. from like panama red to some funky music you know um but it was fun but what i found out was that there is a certain degree of professionalism and communication that you can bring to that job that again it's one of those things that people don't see mm -hmm. um someone comes up and requests a song and you know you're never going to play it yeah right so you've got some options all right the lazy dj will just ignore them or the the rude ones will just say no, we're not going to play it. Mm -hmm. All right, either one of those is bad, right, for your business and bad. You know, it's bad for your clients, it's bad for the attendees, it's bad for your business, really. 
But what I used to do was I would engage them in conversation and say, oh, that's, um, do you know who, you know, who, I, I, even if I knew, do you know, oh, who does that? You know, who recorded that song? Oh, I like this version. Oh, that's cool. So, you know, do you prefer, do you like their music? And you go, not really. I just, that's one song I like. I go, what kind of music do you like? Oh, I like, you know, this kind of stuff, blah, 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 blah. I go, well, what are a couple other artists like in that, you know, venue that you like? And they would name one. I go, um, I've got like three of the most popular songs by them. Would you like me to play them for you? And they're like, yeah, would you do that? I go, sure. So it's like you turn and it's an opportunity, right? And and that's the same thing like with any business, you, you know, disgruntled customer, you know, a glitch, a problem, a failure, there are always opportunities to excel. It's, it has a lot to do with just your attitude and your mindset, right? It's mm-hmm. like and how you perceive yourself as a professional and and really if you if you care, right? So right, yeah. Uh, you had mentioned the silent silent disco headphone rental. Is that the actual name of the business? Because um, that says it all. <laughs> <laughs> so I still call it Johnny Only. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's djjohnnyonly.com. Okay, and then there's there's silentdiscorental.com oh um so, oh i see gotcha yeah that that's a fad too in oh. other words in other words a lot of uh traditional djs when i tell them i'm doing silent disco they feel that i'm selling out you know because because what what a dj likes to do is have their music nice and loud and be appreciated for their mixing skills yeah right that's an artist standpoint yeah, right and i appreciate okay. them as artists but as a businessman Silent disco is what's new and hot and happening. Yeah. And, and, and as a businessman, silent disco d- often does not even allow a live DJ. So, of course, the live DJ is not going to like it. Because often with silent disco, people are using their phones and their, their laptops or tablets. Like, oh, no I would say 90% of my clients that rent my silent disco's headphones do not have a DJ. And so, of course, DJs are going to hate this. Oh, because in a way it's adding to the demise of the DJ, but as a businessman, so not as an artist, like, yes, I'm, I still consider myself an artist, but I make my money. I, I think as a businessman, um, I'm responding to the market, yeah, not to myself as an artist. Right. But you do live events. I do. I do still perform. I, I, and I do, I do. And do. would you consider yourself, would you be using your artistic, would that be like an artistic expression Yes. With you yes. as a DJ for that um, time? Yes, although it is for, for the DJs that are listening, it's a completely different form of DJ work. And if you're in love with traditional DJing, you're not going to like silent disco DJing. However, once you learn how to really? do it, um, it is another art form, but it is a different art form. So it's interesting that uh, people would perceive you possibly as an artist, as a creative person, which you are, but you have pretty much thought about all of these incarnations or these transformations from one uh, trend to another from a business point of view. Yes. And you did it intentionally. Yes. And actually, there's one other thing that I forgot to mention. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, there's one, was a, a popular business model, which, you know, like Facebook uses it, Twitter uses it. But it's not, it, it is, I mean, it's not social networking. It's, 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 it's the ability of, it's the network effect. 
It's the network effect. Uh, uh, the ability for other people to see what you're doing and for what you're doing to be better as more people involve, get involved in it. And so, so for the first example was live music. Yes, the more people see you, the more people like you, the more people learn your music, the more people want to see it. Right. Then, then we got into the DJing. Where here, when you're DJing a wedding, right? We already talked about it, Russ. Other guests are seeing you. So it's a form of marketing. Yeah, it is. Other guests are seeing you and the more they like you, the more they hire you, the more other people know you, the more people come and the more people have a great time then we did the same thing with karaoke again when it was hot not now when it's cold because now when when it, everybody runs the other way when you mention karaoke but when it was hot people would see it and you're advertising you're marketing yourself by people seeing your product in action and yeah. engaging in your product. then then again with country line dancing exact same thing this is when it's hot not when people are rolling their eyes now when it was hot people were like you did what you went country line dancing i got to see that wow yeah. that's great and then again now we're talking about silent disco same thing we go to an event and there's the my logo on the silent disco headphones and you're having the time of your life and I never had to pay for advertising. I never had to do a cold call. I never had to, really? you know, I never had to write about it on social media. Maybe maybe your friends wrote about it on social media, but I didn't. No kidding. And so it's a, it's a networked effect yeah. that is generated by your product not by you. Like right now, yes. all, all this influencers, you know, you, you, you create your own hype yeah. uh, on your own social media channels. This is where your product itself does it. Yeah, and that's the best. So when I was doing caricatures, that's a similar sort of thing. Yes, indeed. Because I'm basically, um, I'm serving the person that's in front of me, creating a memory, uh, an experience, uh, the engagement with me, giving them a result of that engagement, which actually incorporates their likeness and parts of their life and maybe even that specific event. Mm -hmm. So they're taking us, so they've had entertainment with me an experience that maybe they haven't had before. And mm -hmm. if they have, mine was way better. Mm -hmm. um, then they get a souvenir, but also of the event, but also uh, a very personal or personalized and person, I guess both personalized and personal. Right. Um, and, item. And didn't you sign it? I did sign it. So they could, they could know. And if who I forget, it. they would ask me to sign it and date it. Absolutely. So, so th there's a tr path back to your services. Right. Exactly. And Russ, the big guy was what I used for that. And all you had to do was Google. If you, if you didn't grab a card or a postcard or see my information on the sign or, or get it from the person who hired me, um, all you had to do was Google rest of the big guy. And uh, when I was heavy into it, I, I had, uh, 10 pages, literally 10 pages was rest of the big guy mm. from all the different things I had done, different right. events where they advertised me, right. um, some press and things like that. Um, and then in addition to that, I am doing marketing for myself because people are standing around watching whether they're in line to get one or just enjoying, you know, the activities they're watching me provide the service. They're watching the interaction. And the most important thing that I always did was I had the customers, the people I'm drawing facing the audience oh, because nice. the selling point is for me, the selling point for that is not necessarily what I'm drawing, although they can see that too, if that's mm -hmm. the, the setup. Right. And a lot of people like to watch from a blank piece of paper to a final product right. in five to 10 minutes. Right. It's pretty amazing for people who can't 
draw a straight line, which I hear from, you know, 30% of the people would say that. The real selling point is the reaction, the engagement with the people. So the audience watching my subjects. Right. And also watching my board, you know, as the as the drawing cre- is created. And then there's interaction between those people too, especially if they know each other. And it's a really interesting dynamic, a lot of energy. One of the things I added to the DJ business was the photo booth. So again, for the artists out there, you know, they don't want to add a photo booth because that just takes away from what they're doing. But as a business person, right. the photo booth, A, brought in more money. Yeah. But it's a picture of themselves yeah. plus a... Uh, um, a keepsake for yeah. the specialness of the event. And so so a photo strip from the photo booth has their picture on it. It's not the picture of the bride and groom, you know. Then they put it on the refrigerator and they keep it there forever. So it's like, are they going to keep your business card in their refrigerator forever? N- your business card? No, but Probably they'll keep not. a picture of themselves yeah. on the refrigerator forever. Yeah. You know, yeah. especially if it's a cute one and they're dressed up and it was at their daughter's wedding. Yeah, or their friend. In or their there friend. Or whatever, yeah. yeah. And so, and so again, the marketing as a way of, of marketing your products that's not like yourself. It's like you're marketing them to them. You're marketing themselves to them, you know, their love of themselves to themselves, you know? So there's a bit of a with me in there. What's in it for me? Yeah. In that regard. So providing something like that for someone, your photo booth, my uh, caricatures that I used to draw, that was the sort of thing where they would show them off. A lot of times they were, they they ended up on the refrigerator um, many times they were framed and displayed indefinitely. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's the with me because they have the story to tell about it. The audience is buying that emotional moment. That experience, yes. What else can we unpack from this, from what we just talked about? Uh, you're, you're adopting uh, new skills. You're adapting to new market. You're in touch with uh, the consumers always, which is important, interacting with them. And you're very responsive to them. You know, there's I, a lot of other stuff in there. So you know, all that stuff. So. Yeah. So to tie it back to to your question about me as an artist, um, what was the yeah. best time of my life has always been, I think, when I was strictly being an artist. Yes. All right. All so, right. so so what happened? Where's the where's the art? You have a passion for writing music, and and so your your target market with uh, we haven't talked about this yet, but you are an amazing songwriter for kids songs and family family friendly songs honestly i really believe that with all my heart and it seems like you're not doing it well let me i'm let putting me, you on the spot <laughs> actually i actually i have a good answer for that actually all right um so i i love doing it like the recording the writing the performing it was like yeah. so good yeah. so good um but we're talking about market change here Yes. There was something very, 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 very significant that happened, and that was YouTube demonetizing children's content. Yeah. So I had a business model that was working, and I was so excited about it because I was growing a following on YouTube with children's music. And just about the time I was, I got up to like, I don't know, $5 a day I was making on a good day with, with monetization. So you just keep going. And, and, and the, the content model that I had was like working. Like all I had to do was write a certain type of song, add it to my channel and it was getting the views. Yeah. I was so excited. And then YouTube says, sorry, all children's music is no longer monetized. And so, you know, $5 a day is not great but it's not bad either and i was growing it like i had a plan you know yeah, yeah. it was growing and and it was going to be my retirement so the seed the seed for it was there 
I mean, yeah. there are channels that make a million dollars a year and more. Exactly. If I had not been doing children's music, I could have been, yeah. you know, but I didn't have a formula for growing a channel with grown up music. I right. had a formula for growing yeah. music with children's yeah. music. Yeah. And it was so working. Oh, but my God. Now gosh. you're talking about the money again, but that's not the artist in you. Were you getting the artistic fulfillment from it, or were you still were you still following? Uh, so uh, I were guess you still doing it as a business model. All right, all right. So so okay. So there there there's a good one. Okay. So I think some artists can be pure enough in their their why to say I'm an artist. This yeah. is why I do it. Cause I love being an artist and I, the artist is, yeah. it's what makes me alive. Right. Um, I have a certain fulfillment that comes from actually making a living as well. So I can, I can like, uh, and it's, it's not as much as being an artist. If That's I had my, if I could wave my wand yeah. and make a living that I'm proud of, in other words, make an income that I'm proud of yeah. as, as an artist only, I would do it. I would do it. You would? Yes, I would. Okay. However, it's a close second for me to say, you know what? I can make a living by navigating the business world, the economy, the, the, the demand of, of the work changing world around me. Interesting. Yeah. So, so, and, and, and I, and I would say that for me, I have grown to love everything I've done that has not been completely artistic. So for example, when I added the photo booth to the DJ business, right? Yeah. It was expensive. It was hard. It was, it required me to have another person. It, it would break down. It was extra stress, but I got the fulfillment of knowing that I made that much more money that I would not have made otherwise. I didn't realize you and I were that, so much alike in I, this regard. I know. I, yeah. <laughs> because, um, so this is interesting. I found that I don't really need much money. Mm -hmm. And it's just true. I think it's because I enjoy creativity so mm -hmm. much in whatever I do, like anything. Right. And I'm a problem solver, and I like to solve problems, and I like to help people too, like do things for people, right? And mm -hmm. so that's those things really drive me. But there's something about getting paid for um, something you created. Mm-hmm or a service that you've provided that for me, and I, don't, I suppose there's some psychologist somewhere who could tell us why, but that is a super important component of it. And it's almost like, um, I don't think I'm that competitive, but it's sort of like it's a contest with myself almost. Like I, I don't like to compete with other people necessarily, and I don't like conflict and all that stuff. You know, I just don't. It's just not me. I'd rather like love people and help people. Mm -hmm. But there's something about like getting paid and maybe it goes back to being like that little boy that wants to be, um, that wants approval. You know, that could be the connection. For sure. But but I can, I can get that in other ways, but I'm not necessarily looking for that in other ways, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, if someone saw something I created, a music festival, a business, a piece of artwork, and they gave me that, that uh, pot B, pat on the back, and say, mm -hmm. ah, Russ, you know, wow, that's amazing, blah, blah, you did such good. It'd be like, yeah, okay, thanks. It's like, uh, fine. Mm -hmm. But if they handed me a check or cash or whatever, paid me, right? like I would be like excited about that, and I would be so appreciative. Absolutely. So it's like, it's weird, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what's the story there? If anybody knows, <laughs> please put it in the comments <laughs> or call one of us directly with your answer. <laughs> 
Absolutely. I, can I give another example? Yeah, sure. So renting out silent disco headphones, I am essentially running a warehouse, yeah. which if you describe it that way, I can't think of anything less artistic right. and, and I can't think of anything more boring. Well, this was surprised me that you're doing this yes. because I know that that was my perception of it. Also, at this, maybe at the point you're at right now is you bought yourself a job. Absolutely. Which you don't, which I know you don't want. Absolutely, and we could we could talk about that if you want, but I want <laughs> well, to talk it's, about well, it's a, it's a phase of your growth, so it's fine. Right. It's like it's like, yeah. but you just don't want to stay there. I know that. Yeah, yeah. So so, but but let me just say, like in 2019, um, my income was tripled because of the silent disco rental, wow. and. Well, let's not talk it up too much because we don't want any competition. <laughs> there you go. There Although you go. are the global leader That's in right. silent I, disco I, headphone rentals. There you go. There you go. Um, so so uh, when I saw the, the, the money, there was a part of me that said, oh, this is kind of fun. Yeah. Right? And there is one other thing, which you mentioned the interaction with your clients when you're yeah. um, drawing them. Mm-hmm. Uh my website for silent disco rental is not automated. So in other words, they have to email me and I have to email them back. Really? Yeah. Um, on purpose? On purpose. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and it is amazing the conversations I have and it is amazing the number of people that are shocked that I am emailing them in person. Like that is yeah. not a form email. Yes. Cause they can tell right away, you know, and most of the companies that you and I interact with, it's always a form. It's always automated. Yeah. And, um, well, I think that's just so important to that part of it. So I know that's something that's missing because companies want to scale right. so much. It seems to be the big thing these days. And if, you know, if you're trying to get rich, I guess that's what you do. And I'm actually have part of my business now is I do coaching and training. And, uh, of course with a podcast, we're implementing more of that with some of the communications that we're doing right now when it starts out automated, but I get involved at a certain point and I have to, and sometimes even just if I do an initial contact with somebody now, I just say, Hey, this is really me. I'm not a bot, <laughs> you know, cause I get tons of those too. And, and yeah. so it's that personal inter- interaction is awesome, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, again, it's, I'm the same way. Like if, uh, uh, Ed Milet is a, a podcast that I listen to a lot. Right. Mm-hmm. So he's obviously has other businesses, beyond his uh, podcast, but he's pretty active with responding to people. I'm assuming it's him. Mm-hmm. I think it might be. I think it is. And um, because I've gotten some messages per, like back from him that were very specific. Right. And I appreciate that so much. I, I will listen to him, you know, way more than I'll listen to somebody else that doesn't respond to anybody or you can tell it's an assistant or just like cut and paste. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like that as a, as a customer, I appreciate that so much. Yeah. And let me tell you a quick story. The first client, so, so because I'm relying on FedEx to, uh, to, to deliver the, the headphones that I rent out. Right. The first client that did not get the headphones in time and was calling me and was oh dear. unhappy, um, Literally, I was unhappy. You sure. know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, of course. I mean, I, I literally teared up, you know. Uh, because I was like, I tried so hard to serve this client. Right. And it, and it was, people don't, um, it's not like they're buying a vacuum cleaner. Exactly. Like it can't, it doesn't like a vacuum cleaner, unless they're trying to clean their house for their Christmas party, you know, like the carpet people were like, everybody wants their carpets before Christmas. There's no way we, they had all year. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's like, you're, uh, um, 
like you, your product is very for a very specific event at a very specific time, and probably there's some significance to that event for the customer. Right. Beyond the fact that, like, if it was a vacuum cleaner, that they just wanted their house clean. Right. Right. Yeah. And and so I tell that story to show that there is an emotional connection between me and the client, even right. though. In this case, it, it well, we were talking on the phone with that particular client. Some of right. the clients we do talk on the phone. Some of them are emails. But um, so it does satisfy some of those needs of human connection for me, even though it's just a warehouse job. Yeah. So that's interesting because you do get that um, personal satisfaction from that. It's And, you know, the things that we've mentioned already, with the exception for maybe the money, all the satisfaction that we get are all involved with the uh, interactions with other humans. Mm-hmm. Well, John, thanks for sharing all this with us. Uh, top three suggestions for business owners, like what's and and then based on what. So, what's what are your top three suggestions? What's what are super important things for them to be concerned with? Well, I've certainly already touched on the idea of trends, growing trends, yeah. and receding trends, and I think that's one of actually the biggest ones. Um, for anybody and for any business. And, and we see so frequently, we see huge businesses starting to fail because they refuse to do that. Um, you know, like let's say the camera business, oh, gosh, yeah. right? They, they, Le- those legacy restaurants that all closed during the pandemic. Oh yeah. All those, all those. Yeah, yeah. Pizza hut and Olive garden and, uh, and, and all just, the, there's a whole list of them. Yeah. And companies that are being disrupted by uh, the digital revolution as well. You sure. know, um, these are companies that have their eyes closed uh, to change. Toys are us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, the, so that's the first one is to keep track of trends. Um, okay. I think, I think this, this, the second one that's, that's extremely important. And I mentioned this one too, is, is, is having a way to, ha- so that your product is visible to people who are not your customers. So, so in other words, your customers can see people enjoying your product. People who are not your customers have a way of seeing your customers enjoying your product. Right, right. And the, the, the third one, I think, is, I think is kind of make a decision whether you want to be in debt or if you yeah. want to be cash yeah. positive. Yeah. Um, I, honestly, it's okay to be in debt. Um, I personally find that uh, scary. Mm-hmm. And I choose to run a, a, my business on a cash basis. Yeah. Uh, so I, I feel like even in this this client right now, we're seeing the interest rates rising. Um, if I was running my business on a debt basis, so you've always bootstrapped your startup. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So so w- whether you go one way or the other, I think it's important for business owners to be very clear on what the implications are of either. I'll go in debt for this. Yeah. You know, or, or, or I'll refuse to go in debt for this. All right. So some good advice. Appreciate it very much. Um, if someone wanted to get a hold of you, what would they, how would they find you, Johnny? What's uh, the best way? The best way is djjohnnyonly.com. Okay. Or for anything, for headphones or for uh, weddings much, or. Pretty much for anything. To get some advice. To get some advice. Yes. djjohnnyonly.com. Okay. And there, my email's there, my address, my phone number's there. Okay. Um, but but you could also the the the, the email is djjohnnyonly at gmail.com. Cool. We uh, covered a lot, John. I appreciate you coming in, but we're not done yet. Excellent. And it's time for the questions. I'm ready. Oh no! It's time to answer the questions. I double dare you. 
Well, we're going to double dare Johnny here to uh, open up. This is going to be a challenge, John. I'm scared. Because you because you you keep things pretty close to your vest uh, uh, a lot of times. Uh, you are very thoughtful. Sometimes the personal stuff you like to hide. So Uh-oh. I'm going to dig in a little bit. Uh-oh. All right, you ready? Here I'm ready. Question number one. If you could spend a week on a deserted island, but with all of the comforts of home and more, all right, you got a visualization of that? I got it. All right, what person, dead or alive, would you want with you and why? Uh, Linda Ronstadt. Uh, Yeah, Linda Ronstadt. The reason is that she did not stay in her lane as an artist. Um, Anyone who knows her, she spent time doing country music, Mexican music, being a pop star, also being a rock star, also being an opera singer. Did not know that one. Yes. And also, um, she was very, very thoughtful. Uh, I, I read her memoirs, but I, but I also um, saw many YouTube clips. It was one, one clip in particular. She was on the Johnny Carson show, and, and he sort of did a welcome type of thing where she started giving like substantive 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 answers and he kept like going off on on like her looks like what she was wearing her music and um he, like he was literally shutting her down like she had things to say and he just wanted to play off the idea that she was cute sexy and a, and, a, and a star, yeah, you know, um, but also through her uh, dealings with her labels and her management, she was, she knew what she wanted and she went for it. And every single time she changed, people did not want her and gave her gave her a really hard time. Like like the the when she did the oldies, oh my gosh, everybody was like, no no no, you can't do that. And of course, it was double platinum. When she did the Mexican music, no no no, you can't do that. And of course, it was double platinum. Platinum, you know, when she left when she left the the rock star scene, they were like, no no no, you can't do that. And yet she became the the the, the, the darling of a Broadway. It's somebody who knew what they want, taking affirmative action toward getting what she wanted and making it happen. Oh, that's awesome. So for some of our younger viewers, so Johnny Carson was one of the hosts of uh, an older version of The Tonight Show. Yes. And uh, if you don't know who Linda Ronstadt, Ronstadt? Yes. I don't know if I'm saying her name right. Um, Just Google her. Yes. Right? Easy to do. All right. Good answer. Thank you. Uh, Number two, what is your favorite food and who prepares it the best? Wow. Dang. My favorite food is... uh, Prepared by myself. Really? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, and it's what? Coconut oil in it? It does, actually. Yes, indeed, <laughs> it does. Yes. Um, it's uh, it's slow cooked. I use a slow cooker. Okay. And um, I, I call it meat stuff. That's the name of the recipe is meat stuff. And it's different every time. Because uh, there's meat in it? It has a different cut of meat each time. Oh, I didn't know you ate meat. Um, I do. Okay, I do. Uh, and but it's also always got lots of lots of spices, lots of different things, coconut oil. Do you just make it up? Yeah. Well, I'm like uh, whatever this... I have in the in oh. the cupboard. So so if I you know I try to put in lots of veggies, you know. Yeah. Um. But yeah, lots of lots of good stuff, and it tastes different every time. So it's exciting, and it it fulfills my artistic self. Wow. As well as my, my and it's called meat stuff. My hunger. That's what you name for the dish. I call it meat stuff. Yes. <laughs> Okay, that's not the answer I thought we were going to get today, so that's good. All right. <laughs> I like surprises. All right, number three. What oh, You may have already answered this kind of. What is your all-time favorite song and why? And then sing the chorus. Dang. 
My all-time favorite song and why. Hang on. Go ahead, think. Okay. Wait, this is probably distracting, right? <laughs> no, I, I you got can't an listen answer. to a song. I've got an answer with that going in. Now, I want to preface the answer by saying that music has different purposes and different levels of greatness. Okay. Um, so something might have a great chorus or a great musical hook or a great rhythm. Well, it doesn't have to be great. It just has to be your favorite. All right, you ready? Yeah. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Oh, my gosh. That song, if you're a children's entertainer like myself, that yeah. song is so freaking brilliant. It is unbelievable. And it brings the house down when you perform it. It brings the house. I mean, I'm talking uh, an audience of, of two and three-year-olds. Sure. And moms and grandmas. And moms and grandmas. It brings the house down. You want to get the action going in the room, no you kidding. play if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. And and it's fun to sing. It's really fun to sing because it's it's got so much so much rhythm and power to it. Yeah. When when you go when you're happy and you know it, clap your hands and you hold your hands up and you're about ready to clap and the entire room claps with you. Yeah. It's so freaking powerful. And and the timing of it is just perfect. Oh my God! You're you're the rock star front man again. Yeah, you've gone full circle. Oh my gosh! If you're happy and you know it's because it's the it's the energy and it's it's the interaction with the audience. Oh my gosh! And then then you say happy and you know it's uh, hooray hooray! Oh my gosh! It's it's just amazing. By the way, um, I've often commented that I have to come up with some kind of a cologne for Johnny <laughs> that um, repels women because the moms and grandmas love him. <laughs> so there's more going on than just the, just the little kids, <laughs> I think. Um, even though I know, I'm sure that they're all committed uh, to someone else, can, but uh, can they I really say, love you. Can I say something, Russ? Yeah. With uh, my grown-up music, with my DJ work, you rarely get compliments from fathers, from dads, from guys. Yeah. With children's music. You get compliments from men too. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, you you get like hugs from the women. Yeah, you get like like adoration from the women. Yeah. But the men will come right up and say, "Oh my gosh, you know, my son or daughter just loves your music." I, I had a guy stop me in the grocery store, never seen him in my life, and he's like, "Oh, my kids love your music. It's just fabulous what you do. I so appreciate it." And and that's from a guy, and he was yeah. alone. There was nobody to impress. Yeah, he just came right up to me. Where do people can people buy that stuff? That uh, kids it's, music? It's, uh, my music is available on Amazon.com as well as Spotify and Apple okay. iTunes or Apple Music, I guess it's called now. And they just look for Johnny Only? Uh, Johnny Only Kids Music. Uh, okay. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I have, well, I have a couple of your early CDs when my kids were little, and I used to, jeez, <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this. I used to play it in the car when they weren't, were not in the car. <laughs> <laughs> and there was one um, about a little red wagon that, for some reason, does the little red wagon go bump, bump, bump or bump, something? Bump, bump, bump. Oh, yeah. Bump it's stuck it along. Oh, my gosh. Bump I, it along I used with to, you. <laughs> bump, of course, bump, I was I was in dad it. mode at the time, yeah, right, with sure. little little girls, too. But even yeah. though, So it was in the car. I gotta look for that. <laughs> oh my gosh, that might. Yeah, it's just well, it, like you said, like, there's a certain amount of energy there, right? Yeah. I, I suppose if you've never had any kids, maybe you, you wouldn't identify with it necessarily, right? But you know, maybe you would, but not to put down anybody who's not a parent. Yeah. But there is a certain dynamic, a certain shift in your brain when you become a parent. So. Absolutely. All right, that's awesome. And <laughs> thanks for singing, by the way.
As you might know, I offer entrepreneurs success coaching. I'd like to ask you a coaching question, if I may. I'm ready. You know, I ask these at the end of the sessions, at the end of our recording sessions, uh, as a way to get to know someone a little better, and also as like a little commercial for my uh, professional coaching. Oh, excellent. Oh, so but and it's a sample, right? But we're not going to really do much coaching. But it's interesting how people perceive the question and what they might answer. So this is an easy one for you. So don't worry. It's you're not going to go too deep with this. All right. So the coaching question for you is this: What accomplishment in your life? are you the most proud of? Take your time on this one. Wow. If you want. Better Unless cue, it came right to your mind. Better cue that music there for a second. All right, let me repeat the question. What accomplishment in your life are you the most proud of? All right, I'm, I got it. Okay, great. What do you got? I'll give you the quick answer, and then I'll give you a, uh, a, okay. a little background. Good. The uh, the quick answer is getting my bachelor's degree at age 40, uh, 45 or something, around there, 46, mm. something like that. Yeah. Um, so that, that's that's what it was. The the, uh, the backstory is that I paid for it with cash, and we all know how expensive uh, student uh tuition is yeah i um i i worked while i was doing it and my kids were small while i was doing this so i was taking care of my kids paying for it with with my own money working and and getting the degree and um furthermore the degree was in english literature and uh it was so incredibly uh eye-opening for me to finally get it like like i always i was always a reader always loved English literature or, or any literature for that matter. Um, but when I had got a degree in it, like I was getting stuff from literature that I've never even, never even occurred to me and getting stuff from the world from like walking down the street and seeing things and all of a sudden, Oh my gosh, that's where that came from. Like the breadth of my human experience was expanded and deepened by, uh, at least five or 10 times. Just amazing. The way I watch movies now is completely different. Really? Because of that degree. Um, a lot of things have to do with, with, with the, the history of, of, of symbolism and archetypes and, and all that stuff that you learn. Like, like people think that you, you just learn how to read in English literature. But when you learn how to interpret what the art form where it came from, what it's, where it's going from, what, why it works and how it works. Oh my gosh, it's incredible. And of course, as a songwriter, it was amazing uh, how my songwriting changed. And I was like, man, if I had only gotten this degree when I was 20, you know, I can just imagine what kind of songs I could have written. How did your songwriting change? Um, they had, number one, symbolic content was, was huge. Number two, uh, t- tightness, like tight tightening the imagery. Um, so the images piled on, on top of one another, metaphors piling on top of each other, talking about, uh, I don't know, the moon, for example, right? Um, like what is all of the symbolic meanings of the moon and why would you bring moonlight into a song in what elements would it reinforce the message that you're trying to portray and that's just one symbol the moon which is also a real thing right and you know? the, instead of just putting it in there because it rhymed with something else right right and now like i'm watching watching a movie every time i see them holding an apple and i'm like okay this means something right every time they're crossing a bridge oh this means something open up a mac computer there's an apple with a bite taken out of it oh now i know why they use that symbol as their logo you know, the apple of knowledge, right? Yeah. It was an amazing, from, from a religious standpoint, my eyes were open, man. 
it's like a whole new Bible. Well, this may this may have to be another episode. I think so. <laughs> Holy cow. So we've reached the end of our time. I know you have other responsibilities today. John, thanks for coming in. That was DJ Johnny Only. Thank you, listeners. Until the next time, it's Russ the Big Guy. That concludes another episode of Going Boldly. I hope you were entertained and you discovered at least one nugget of wisdom or advice that you can put into action immediately. Or maybe you received some inspiration from today's episode. And I'm certain you know at least one person who needs this podcast. Please share it with them. You might be the important link that will change their life for the better. Subscribing means you will not miss an episode. And it will make it easier for me to schedule guests because I can show them that the audience is growing. So please subscribe. It will benefit us all. Let me know how I can make this show even better. Leave a comment and send me a DM. I read everyone personally, and I do my best to respond to each and every one. As a thank you, I'll be awarding prizes. And to keep you on your toes, the winners will be randomly selected from names I find in the comments, shares, DMs, and from the list of subscribers. Prizes might be Going Boldly merch or products supplied by my guests, or just something random and fun. But you have to comment, share, DM, or subscribe to be eligible to win. A special thanks to Brenna Swanger at Waverly Manor Studios for our great theme music. And finally, thanks for listening. Go boldly, keep at it, and wash your hands.